He made the things that we can see and the things that we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Friends, that may very well be one of the very first Christian hymns. Two stanzas together describing Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Brad took us through the first stanza focusing on Jesus as God. Jesus, Lord of all creation, reminding us that all things created through him and for him, that Jesus is God of the entire universe and all the forces that exist within the universe, even the ones that we can't see. Jesus is not just another force in the universe. He's not a God in creation. He is supreme. He is God as with Father and Holy Spirit. And to declare or anything lesser or to think anything compromising of that truth would be heresy. The second stanza starts in verse 18. And that's the one we'll focus on today. And it declares that Jesus is Lord of the new creation, the new humanity, the church. That's us. So I want us to take time and listen. I want us to hear and allow the scripture to sink in the totality of it to impress itself on us, the church, because it's talking about us. So if you need to close your eyes, then close your eyes. There'll be silence at times, but I'm simply going to read through this stanza, the second stanza, starting at verse 18, twice. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. 
And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he, Jesus, is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you, Wendy and Deb, who were once far away from God. You, Robin and Curtis, were his enemies, separated from him by your, Mike and Jared, evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you, Carrie, and Anne-Marie, to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you, Muriel and Sandy, into his own presence. And you, Ken and Gary, are holy and blameless as you, Patty and Mark, stand before him without a single fault. But you, Katie and Constance, must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you, Tammy and Ed, received when you, James and Sarah, heard the good news. The good news is that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. Never forget that we are Christ's body. We are the new creation. We are the church. And the church is something eternally new that the world had never experienced before Jesus Christ brought it into inception just 2,000 years ago. The church, we are different than any other organization or, or entity in the world. 
There's all sorts of ideas and perceptions of what the church is. A religious club run by a few. Power misused. A collection of spiritual outcasts or misfits who are, who are clamoring for something that makes them feel good. Religious fanatics People who need a crutch to get through daily life. But none of those manifestations or ideas match what we just read in Colossians chapter 1. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. It's such a clear and simple picture. Don't ever forget. And the beauty is we each have our own example that we walk around in every day to remind us what it's like to have a head and a body. At home, you can stand in front of the mirror. Here, you can look at the person next to you. Two primary divisions in this. Don't get distracted by the good looks next to you. But at the top, we have this fairly large round thing. Some have hair, some don't. It's called the head. And then this, the torso. And it's got these appendages, but the appendages really only serve the torso. That's why they exist. Head, body. It's easy. Head controls the body. We don't need to be a scientist or a biologist to figure that out. But if you forget and you decide to try to be the body without the head, big consequences. What happens when the head is removed from the body? I grew up in the city of Vancouver, but my parents were immigrants from rural South America. Being the first one born in our family, in Canada, and in a big city, you'd think that I would know as a child what it meant to go to the grocery store and buy meat. Nah. -uh. We traveled every spring out to the country, which at that time was Abbotsford, the rural, the rural, you know, like the way out in the country, Abbotsford, to a friend's farm, and we butchered because that's what my parents did in South America. That's how they got their meat. It didn't come all nicely wrapped, styrofoam, plastic. You know. And so that's how I grew up, going to the farm and butchering beef, pork, chickens. Some of you remember. Some of you are old enough to remember. Some of you grew up in the prairies. As little kids, our job, other than running around the farm and, and creating mischief with the animals, we did have a role in the butchering process. Now, when it came to the chickens, we had one job. Can anybody guess what that was? Catching the chickens. At what time? After the head is cut off. It was awesome. 
At least that's what I tell myself. I may actually be scarred and just have totally repressed all that. But that was our job. You see, chickens, for those of you who have grown up in the sterile environment of the city, in fact, I went and Googled it and just assumed that you could very quickly and easily find a video of this. You actually have to search harder than you think to find a video of butchering chickens. That's how sterile society we live in. But you'd think that when you put the the chicken on the chopping block and you bring down the axe that the head would fall on one side and the body would fall on the other side. And that would be it. But the body of a chicken actually gets up and starts to run around. And it'll do that for a minute or two and it'll run into anything and everything and it begins to do damage to the flesh which you want to eat. Right? It bruises itself. It does damage to the body. And so our job was to corral that chicken without a head. There's that phrase that we get. So that it didn't do damage to the meat that we wanted to eat. Sorry for the unsavory analogy. But when the church gets distracted or disengaged from the head, it too actually begins to act out of control and it too does damage. That was the issue in Colossae. Paul's writing to the Colossians in this letter that we're looking at. In chapter 2 later on, he says... He, he tells him, you guys have lost your connection to the head. And that head, Jesus, is essential for you, the body, to function. You see, it's the head, Jesus, who initiates the presence of the church. Without Jesus, there is no church. It's Jesus who coordinates the activities. It's Jesus who maintains the growth and the sustainability for the church. It's Jesus who supplies the direction and the vision for the church. It's Jesus who gives health and vibrancy to the church. It's Jesus who resolves dysfunction not only within but through the church. Jesus gives that which the church needs to function wholly to be able to bring a message of hope and reconciliation to the rest of the world. That's what our physical heads, in essence, do for our bodies. And that's why mental health is important so that our bodies can function well. It's the same thing in the church. Jesus does that. For the body. Now, when we get together on a Sunday like today and we gather, it's kind of easy. It, it makes sense. It feels right to think of the church and the potential and the power of the church and all the good things of the church because we're together. We can do things gathered that we can't do separate like buy a building that we will be in on next Sunday, November 4th, just in case that's not clear. <laughs> but we can do that kind of stuff. But here's the tricky part. 
The analogy of the head and the body needs to find application both when the church is gathered like this and we come together and we look at each other and we proclaim that Jesus is our head, we are the body, but it also needs to find its application when the church is scattered. The truth is that the church, us, we, don't actually operate corporately very much of the time. In fact, it's not really how the church is designed to work in the first place. And if we think that everything we do is done corporately, then we actually sort of have a, a, a skewed sense of what the church or how the church is designed to work. I don't get to take the church, you all with me, in my day-to-day. When I go grocery shopping, I don't take a hundred of us and say, what would be good? What should I buy? When I go to work, I don't have a hundred of you with me. And neither do you. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying about individualism. That is an epidemic in our society. This is what I am saying, though. That each individual, you and I, are directly connected to the head. Yes, we are the church corporately. But yes, you, Ken, are the church individually. You, Mike, are the church individually. I am the church individually. And each of us, when we leave the gatheredness of the church, needs to ensure our connectedness to the head. Because we represent, we are the body scattered. That's where the church functions in its practical sense, on a daily basis. Not here on a Sunday afternoon. We're actually very limited in terms of what we are doing in terms of the function of the church when we gather together like this. The Great Commission, for example. Go. It's hard to go when you're gathered. Make disciples. Well, we can do that. We can. But you get, this, you get the idea. We live out there. When we gather we gather to remind ourselves. We gather to encourage and nurture each other, to teach that Jesus is our head. All the things that have gone on in the days leading up to our gathering that have distracted us, that have beat us up, that have pulled us down, all those things we come together and we remind each other of our hope in Jesus. And then we scatter. And for the vast majority of my week, I'm without you. I'm without your support and your encouragement. And I need to be that in my neighborhood, in my household, in my workplace, in my play place. Out there apart from you, I need to be the body but I can only be the body if I'm connected 
to the head. And so I need to be able to expect and rely and know that Jesus will be the one who will sustain me. That Jesus is going to be the one who's going to give me wisdom when I encounter challenges and issues. That Jesus is going to be the one who will speak when I need to speak. That Jesus will be the one who will correct me when I need to be corrected. He'll forgive me when I screw up. I need to know the head. Friends, you're the church out there. And if you're going to function out there in a healthy way, you need to be connected to Jesus. Otherwise, you will encounter opposition and forces, quite frankly, that are stronger than you. And they will lure you and they will crush you. Listen to Paul's description to Timothy of the last days. Friends, we're living in the last days. You should know this, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. And they will act religious, but they will reject the power, Jesus as the head, that could make them godly. That's the reality of the world that we are scattered into every Sunday. Eugene Peterson, author, shepherd, who we lost this last week, theologian, in one of his sermons said, the message of the North American church is you can do it. But the message of the Bible is Jesus has done it. If you think that you can scatter into this world and do it on your own, you can't. Plain and simple. You can't. You can try and you can gain successes and you can clamor and claw to the top of society, but you won't be the body, not if you're doing it on your own. The head of the body of the church is Jesus. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. That's truth. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. Jesus occupies the role, the sole position as head of the body. Look again at the resume of the one who is the head starting just in these few verses from 14, if you have your scriptures, to 20. 
Jesus provides redemption, forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the one that humans clamor to know. Jesus existed before and is supreme over everything. Jesus created everything, including anything of authority, even the forces and those things in authority in the unseen world, that verse says. Everything was created through him, everything created for him. He existed before everything and he holds everything. Do you get the common theme here? He holds everything together. That's the head of the church. He's the beginning, supreme, preeminent. He encompasses the fullness of God. Jesus can reconcile everything to himself. He can make peace with everything because of what he did on the cross and the resurrection. So in half an hour, 20 minutes... Roughly, we're all going to scatter again. When you and I scatter into our individual lives, can you think of anything? Take a moment to think of your life, your coming week. Can you think of any scenario, any challenge, any conversation you're going to have, anything that's coming? That is outside the realm of everything. Is there something that Jesus can't handle if he holds everything together? Think of your week. Is there somebody that you would rather have in charge? Guiding you. Maybe you want Ron. Ron is the moderator of our church. He's an elder. I mean, if you look at Ron's resume, he's been a pastor, he's a worship leader. Uh, in his industry, he looks after like the Western part of our nation for music. And I'm, maybe Ron. Maybe you want Sandy, because Sandy has been. I mean, he's been from the East Coast to the West Coast in our nation, and, and churches have identified him as someone who's gifted, a pastor, a shepherd, a teacher. Maybe you want the Pope. That would be a good head. One billion Catholics. Maybe you don't want anybody else to be the head. Maybe you're choosing to go headless into the week. And saying, I'll be my own head. Compare your resume to that one. What's your week going to look like? What are you going to need 
Who are you going to encounter? What kind of pain will you experience? What kind of joys will you experience? Does anybody know your sweet spot in life better than Jesus, your creator? Does anybody know the pain that you're experiencing and the depths better than the one who created you? These are all things that we, the church, the body, experience out there with the world watching us. And no matter how good your personal resume is, no matter how good my personal resume, and my resume is good, guys. Let's be honest. Sandy, yours is good. Muriel, top notch. Yeah. It cannot provide what I need. You and I are designed and created to be the body with Jesus as our head. And any time that I separate myself from my head, Jesus, I actually become a corpse. That's the reality. In every situation, in any conversation I have, in any action I take throughout the week, in any challenge I face where I decide that I'm going to go headless, I'm actually placing myself in a position where I am slowly dying. Without Jesus, I cannot function as the individual I'm created to be. Verse 15, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body, which is me. Verse 23, you must continue to believe this truth. Stand firmly in it. Don't drift away. Don't disengage. Don't go headless from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. And invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a couple songs. There'll be prayer people at the back. This is part of what we do when we gather. This is part of how we encourage and teach and nurture each other. Remind each other of who we are and who our head is. And then in 10, 15 minutes, we're going to scatter. But if Jesus is your head when you're scattered, then you and I, because he's my head too, are wonderfully, mysteriously related and connected. It's the marvelous mystery of the body and how the body is designed to work. And it's one of the most exciting things the world can ever witness. When the church, with Jesus as our head, scatters into society and functions under the authority and the empowering, the love and the grace of Jesus as head. It's an amazing thing. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5 when he said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the earth. This is what I want them to see. They will know who you are by how you live in their presence. Your love one for the other. 
and all our role is when we scatter, your role is the same as my role. Listen and respond to the head. In every conversation you go into this week, in every challenge that you face, in every scenario that unfolds before you, known or unknown, surprise to you or not, it's not a surprise to your head. Listen to Jesus respond. And if there's any doubt today, friends, if you have any inkling that you don't know that you can do that this week, pick one of the people in the back to pray with. Come and talk to somebody. If you're not sure if Jesus is your head, then come and talk. Discover. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge and honor you. We declare together as your body that you are the head. And apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord Jesus, I pray for us this week and in the days to come. In any situation, in every situation, would you remind us the totality of who you are? Would you remind us that there is nothing that takes you by surprise, that you shrug and say, I can't do it? Would you give us ears to hear you? And Lord Jesus, when we go into those situations and we disengage from you because we think we can do it on our own, forgive us, draw us back, re-engage us. To you be glory, Lord Jesus. Thank you.